Greetings, adventures, and welcome to GNGG Cast. Welcome, everyone, to Good Night and Good Game, your geek news roundup for the week that was. I'm your host, James, and with me this week, as always, is my co-host, Hector. Hello. And this week on the show, we're doing this a little bit different. As this is our last episode of the year, we're going to dive into our 2021 year-end review. It's all going to be nerdy. It's going to be super chill. Hector and I are just going to talk about some of the stuff that we liked, maybe a couple things that we didn't like. We're going to try and not get too spoilery, but if we need to, we'll let you know in advance. So, with all that out of the way, let's get into 2021. 2021. All right, so here's the deal. I broke down 2021 into three categories, movie, TV, and games. So let's kick things off with movies. We won't go over the full list that we have in front of us. I just want to kind of jump in with whatever we want to talk about that feels good. So we've got the list in front of us. We can kind of just pick and choose as we go and talk about all the great things that happened film-wise. Sure. So, um, well, it's hard because I don't want to start with the absolute best one. So let's not. (laughs) Okay. So let's not. Let's let's start with something that was definitely good that we all enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's start with Suicide Squad. Oh, man, Suicide Squad. What a surprising... I mean, we knew it was James Gunn. We knew that we were yeah. doing what James Gunn does. Yeah, and the thing is, like, as soon, like, we were all waiting for it to be a DC movie and suck and to be a James Gunn movie and own. And these are two thoughts that we all had simultaneously in our heads at the yeah. same time. And this is at the magic of James Gunn, I guess. And there is a... There's a part about this I almost don't want to mention, just because of what it says about the world, but the fact that James Gunn did this movie at all is because of um, some political bullshit. Yeah. Um, some political bullshit about how early in his career he made some really off-color jokes, right. and that is true, and he did make those jokes. That being said, his entire job at the time was to make off-color jokes around a bunch of off-color joke-making people, right. two people specifically shopping for off-color jokes. Right. So I'm not sure where any of that backlash was going or what happened, but it caused Disney to fire James Gunn for a time. Yes. And... In that short amount of time, the very, very savvy <laughs> very and very, very smart, um, DC was like, it, will you will you come and make a movie for us, please? And he's right. like, fuck yeah, I'll come and make a movie for us. Who can I have? Who do you want? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It's basically what happened. And instead of saying Superman or Batman or any of the obvious ones, he was like, no, I want the Suicide Squad. And they're like, ah, fuck, dude, we just did one of those. And he's like, no, no, no. You didn't I do, want the Suicide you Squad. Do, you didn't do my Suicide Squad. Yeah. I, not only can I make my Suicide Squad, but I can make it a sequel to your Suicide Squad. And I can still make it good. There's so many variables in this movie where you look at it and go, like, how did this movie even get made? Yeah. And honestly, it came down to they just let him do whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah. Which when, when it comes to James Gunn, that's what you have to do. And you know what James Gunn did? He did all of the best shit. He was like, well, what's the franchise like now? Who are our people? Who do we have? Okay, Margaret Romy's great. Yes, obviously, let's keep her. Um, guy who did Boomerang, he was awesome. Let's do him a cameo. Right. <laughs> um, I, I, I have to have Nathan Fillion in this movie because he's my brother and he'll be in every right. movie I make. And uh, same for um, Sean. Uh, Sean Gunn. Yeah, Sean Gunn. And um, oh, who's the other guy? I forget who else is like part of God, his normal crew. God, what's his name? Like, I know who I'm thinking of. I'm just forgetting his name. 
Uh, he was very famous for his role in The Walking Dead and several other things. Of course, he's Yondu from Guardians of the right, Galaxy. Right, right. Um, but he's in every James Gunn, Gunn movie also. Mm -hmm. So there's a ton of crossover in this movie that makes no sense and is hilarious. And this was just one of the best parts of 2020. And 2020 did not have a lot of great parts. But Suicide Squad was definitely one. Yeah, I was I was blown away. Like I was already excited for the Suicide Squad. I watched the trailer and I was obviously super hyped for it. And I was like, oh yeah, this 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 could be good. Mm -hmm. um, but it wasn't until we sat down and watched it in the theater together, and I said, um, you know, this is going to be an experience. It was one of those movies of 2021 where I said, hey, you know, this movie is made me smile the whole time. And I think that that's one of the themes of 2021 has been for me mm -hmm. is finding movies that made me just smile and want to forget about the world because, you know, we're like two years into the pandemic at this point and we're just all kind of like, we're all a little tired of it. You know, uh, the whole thing's been exhausting. And so g being able to go back to the movies um, and celebrate film as it is, has been nice and having the escapism without having to have the, I hate to, I, I, I do not want to bash Marvel movies because I do love them. Obviously we go to every single Marvel movie. We yeah. Can. Everyone we can, but the ability to go to something like the Suicide Squad with low expectations and just have fun felt very different, right? Yeah, because most of the time when you walk into a DC movie, you're expecting it to be dour and to suck. And the very few times it doesn't, you're surprised. Right. So, yeah, going into this movie the same way that I do a Marvel movie and being genuinely surprised that it was not just as good, but still very dark. Just kind of, I don't know, man, James Gunn really set my world on fire there. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, like yeah, that movie was just awesome. Yeah. I was a huge fan of it. Um, let's see what other things do we have on the list here? So I'm well, let's take, let's take like a two minute break from the recording. Mm -hmm. We're going to hit pause for a second and all of our microphones have malfunctioned and we're about to fix them. Yep. So two seconds. Thank you. All right, I guess we're back. We, yeah, we so we're it. back, and all of our microphones are working, <laughs> and we really did love Suicide Squad. Let me see, what else did we watch this year together? Uh, Black Widow. Yeah, I mean, so that was one of those ones that it was like Black Widow came out this year. That's what this year's been like. Yeah. It was like, we, oh, we God. We were like, wait, when was that? Oh, that was in May. Yeah. I don't remember May. <laughs> right, this whole year, like, weirdly went by so fast, and that's after, like, last year, ever, all of us saying, like, Wow, 2020 like creeped by, but then this year just blinked out of existence. Yeah, so. yeah, it was nothing. But uh, Black Widow was, you know what? It, it received a lot of hate that I generally don't think it deserved. I don't think so either. I really, really enjoyed Black Widow. It's yeah. one of the ones that I plan on watching with my mom. She's going to love it. Mm -hmm. It's a whole story. I mean, everyone likes to like poo poo on the idea, even though we've had it for a long time now of family, especially when it comes to superhero stories. It's like the family that you make versus the family that you're born with. Right. Or making the family that you are born with into something. These mm. are all great things. Um, but there was a thing about this specific superhero family story with Florence uh, uh, Q. Q that just, oh, it just made my whole life. Like, she was simultaneously the most capable and awesome spy and the most vulnerable and sweet little sister. Yeah. The entire time I was watching the movie. And that's, that's hard. Mm -hmm. Like, don't ever 
You'll never hear me talk about ScarJo as like not being a great actress because she is. Mm. But Florence really brought something extra and like uh, the vulnerability and the love that you get from that character was yeah. so so and good. and the comedy that she brought to it and a, a lot oh, of it and, was and, funny and too. a lot of it like impromptu comedy like yeah. if you go back and learn about it like she improv she improv a lot of her lines mm-hmm. and I love that. Yeah, the Black Widow was one of those ones that I just absolutely adored. Um, I, you know, just as a real quick, I know that we said we we're, were going to keep things positive, and I think we could still stay in that spectrum. Mm-hmm. But when we're talking about Marvel movies for 2021, The Eternals was a rough go for a lot of people, and I I, I find a lot of difficulty finding things that I loved about it. I, you know what? Um, and I keep having this thought because it is still in theaters mm-hmm. somehow in the year of our Lord 2021. <laughs> It's a movie that's been in the theaters for a month and is still somehow having showings. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to see it again. Okay. Um, I I feel like there's obviously a lot to dislike about the movie, but I don't want to miss anything. Right. And maybe I'm just waiting for it to show up on Disney Plus or whatever, but I really genuinely want to see it again. Okay. Um, there's a lot It was of, gorgeous. Yes, it was a beautiful movie. And the actors were great. They were, yes. All, the, all of the parts that they played were awesome. I think in this instance, the writing had too, too big of a job. It did. And also, like, here's the thing. The Eternals themselves, they aren't great characters. I am not trying to insult the Eternals. Like, it's just, in the history of Marvel Comics, they've never been great. No, they're not good characters. I mean, think about, uh, I don't know, like, how do you explain this? Like, do we get really spoilery about the Eternals as to why it's not good? No, I think that... Okay, like, if you haven't seen the Eternals, go see it. Yeah. And if you ever want to talk about why the Eternals aren't compelling characters, I'd be happy to talk to you about it. Maybe at the beginning of the year, we'll do, like, an Eternals proper episode. Yeah, I I was wondering, like, we kind of need to make sure that we do that at some point. Like, actually do an Eternals thing. And just because there's there's a lot to talk about. There really is. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about the Eternals, but there was also some other fun, weird things that happened. Um, Venom came out, right? Yeah, Venom So let's talk about that. Yeah. So yeah, let there be carnage. I mean, come on. As soon as we saw Venom, as soon as we were in, like, we're into the idea of this Venom movie probably not being so bad, which was about three quarters of the way through watching the first movie... You really start to think, oh, okay, well, are they going to do something with this? Sony, remember, is its own beast. It's not DC and it's not Marvel, but they do keep making pretty good Spider-Man movies. Right. So, I mean, let's see what else they can do. And then they made Venom. And Venom made a lot of weird choices. But one of the best and weirdest choices they made was to be like, oh, hey, the sequel's going to be Venom. And it's Woody Harrelson. Right. And they give this to you at the end of the credits, like in a Venom movie, when you're like, oh, they're doing the end credits thing. Let's see what this is. Oh, Jesus. Oh, oh, God. Venom's one of those movies that I had low expectations for, right? Oh, so, such low expectations. But I want, my, my takeaway was if I could just go in and have as much fun as I did with the first movie, I'm down. Yeah. And that's what I got. Oh, no, yeah. So, so, so I haven't even gotten to Carnage yet. We finally get to Carnage that... Curtains roll upwards. We, you know, we get the titles. 
And we get the exact same movie we got before, but now with Woody Harrelson as Carnage. Mm. And by, I don't mean to be derogatory by saying the exact same movie. Eddie Brock was the same character. It was the same amazing actor behind it. Mm. Uh, but we got a couple new characters and a couple very interesting like things going on. And it was all happening in L.A. So like we didn't have to worry about like Spider-Man showing up the whole mm. time, right? But so the first movie was very much a look at this crazy supervillain with all this money and this like technology from his corporation. Mm -hmm. And which is a very, very Spider-Man villain, like yeah. no matter what's going on. But this, this was Venom and Venom was honestly pretty awesome. The yeah. only complaint I could possibly have about the depiction of Venom in this movie was that there wasn't enough blood. Right. There right. wasn't yeah, enough carnage. Yeah. Um, Carnage is a very brutal villain and he was kind of downplayed. Right. But at the same time, like a lot of the ways he killed people were really fucking brutal. There just yeah. wasn't blood and skeletons right, everywhere, right. Yeah. which a lot of people blame the Chinese for. I don't know whether that's true or not, but it was, it was specifically, they're not trying to be racist about it. They're just saying that like the censorship laws in China right, prevent yeah, exactly. them from doing it. Right. Exactly. And you know, like, I don't know if we lost something from this movie without having blood everywhere all the time. Yeah. But Venom really, not Venom, Carnage really does kill some, like, people in some really brutal ways. Yeah. He's represented very well on screen. All the CG perfectly meets my expectation of what Venom looks like on screen versus on the page. Yeah. So, like, all of that was very cool. Um, so, I yeah, I think that one was a victory for them. I think so why don't we one. wrap up our Marvel discussion talking about Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi. How'd you feel about it? Did he really, did he really run away and change his name from Shang to Sean? <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I loved it too. I had a okay, blast. Okay, so I, before this movie, I legitimately nothing Aquafina. Like, I, I don't hate her. I don't love her. Like, I, she was in some very good movies. True neutral as a D&D alignment. <laughs> like, absolutely neutral. Like, someone would say Aquafina, I would be like, huh? Yeah. Not like yay or not like boo or not even like a little yay or a little boo. Just like mm. meh. Mm -hmm. Like, like I had no idea. No idea. Hadn't really been exposed to her. Hadn't really seen any of her work. Hadn't had the chance to form an opinion. Yep. And I see her in this movie and I love every second of it. And now I need to go back and watch like her entire body her work. Filmography. Yeah. And now I, she's going to be in the new Renfield movie. Yeah. With like Nicolas Cage's Dracula. Yes. Like, oh my God. It's going to be hilarious. Yeah. I'm super into that. I need to go see Jumanji part two because she's in that. I haven't watched the Jumanji movies. Okay. So the first one is dope. Really? Yeah. Because I'd like to see the original and I was like, good. do I need to watch these? No, like, no, no. It's, it's The Rock and it's... I'm a Karen Gillan fan. So it's like, Karen Gillan. So... And there's just a lot of good stuff going on in this movie. In, yeah. in the first one. I need to see the second one now. I didn't even think about it. Well, I guess we'll do a movie night and we'll just do a two movie yeah. thing. I really need to see The Farewell, which is a movie starring Aquafina, where um, the, the culture... In this culture, they don't tell their eldest relative that she is dying, mm -hmm. um, but they go and they have a family reunion and they like spend time with her. And that is how they do that culturally with their elders in China. And because she is Asian American, she doesn't really vibe with that. And so she has to go home and like figure all of that out, which sounds okay. like an amazing movie again. Okay. So if there's anything that Shang-Chi did is it made me really like Aquafina and need to see more of her movies. But to talk about the movie more, 
man, the first three quarters of that movie were so fucking cool. Yeah. They were just... Like, it was Marvel all the way through to its core. It was a new character. It was an interesting story, interesting character dynamics. I love the uh, the, the woman who plays his sister, um, whose name I can barely pronounce because I believe this was her first English-speaking role. Okay. Same for the actor who played his father. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were both incredible. Um Everything, everything was great about that movie up until the final fight scene where for some reason they took like a mud filter and just plastered it over the entire movie. And for some reason, everything is really dark and hard to see. Right. I don't know why that is. It's the Marvel. The movie end, is so beautiful. It's the Marvel end point. of the movie syndrome. Yeah. And I, I just, I, I don't get it. People have been talking about that for a long time. The reliance on the giant CGI. Mm-hmm. End battle, right? Right. And you know what? There's something to be said about that. Like, especially in movies like Black Widow, where I feel like the final fight scene was so large it took away from the rest of the movie, but it was still okay to look at. Right. And I mean, Endgame is Endgame and it's amazing. And Infinity War is Infinity War. Yeah, but the best parts about the Endgame final fight was not the randos they were fighting. It was the personal fights you were seeing. Yeah, there was a lot of personal stuff going on in those. That's very true. But it was it was legitimately the only thing I disliked about the ending of Shang-Chi, which Mm -hmm. I love the entire movie up to this point. Can we talk about the animals real quick, though? The color palette. Yes. Oh, God. In the village, the animals, the, animals, the little faceless, like <laughs> flumpy, wingy things. Yeah, that, and like, all of them are, were taken from actual lore, yeah. and just like, oh, it's so the giant yeah. dog lion guardians that just like chill out in the village next to all the people. So I, 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 I want to take a few minutes to talk about Michelle Yao because I think <laughs> she's gonna be a big thing in 2022 here coming up. I have a controversial question for you. And this is something that's been hotly debated online. Mm-hmm. And it's this idea of is Shang-Chi to Asian American or Asian cinema what Black Panther was to African Americans? Mm. And I know it's hard for us to speak to that because we are definitely neither of those ethnicities. We obviously didn't see the same kind of reaction. Right. And a lot of that is probably. And that that I almost don't want to get into this, but a lot of that is probably because black characters were actively not brought forward, whereas Asian characters were actively brought forward and Americanized in the worst kinds of ways. Right. Um, Bruce Lee in the Green Lantern comes to mind. Right. Right. Where it's very or Green much, Hornet. It, it, it Green Hornet. Sorry, yeah. uh, Green Hornet. Yeah. It, it, it's very much. It's either yellow face. Or the Asian character has to wear a mask. Yeah. Or, you know, we get stuff like even most recently Iron Fist, mm. where, I mean, that character really should have been Asian American. I know, but I know but Danny Rand, Rand is, is not. not. But he had no business being what he was. He's literally the last samurai, right. like Tom Cruise style, but as a Marvel okay, character. Okay, so let me rephrase the question for you, because this is a difficult one to ask, because Black Panther did have such a big impact. Was this an important movie? Because the actors yes. behind it believe it yes. was very important. And, and, and it was very, very important. And it's important for a different reason. Black Panther was about a black man from Africa having all of the qualities and all of the nuance and all of the power of a Marvel superhero. And that is yeah. empowering. That is beautiful. That is awesome. It makes little children want to be him no matter what race they are. Right. Here's the thing about Shang-Chi. 
Shang-Chi is an Asian American character. Yeah. That is a character who grew up inside the diaspora knowing full well that he was an American but had Asian heritage. He's not a Chinese character from a province in China doing Chinese stuff for Chinese reasons and a Marvel character. Mm. It, it, in this movie, he was an American Asian and, and that spoke hugely to his experience in the entire movie. Right. And so is it the same? Not exactly. But is it a group of people that need far more representation? I'd say absolutely. Right, right. No, I completely agree. All right. So Marvel aside, is there anything else you want to check off on the movie list before oh, yeah, we move there's, on? Th- there's a couple of these. Hang on. So we absolutely. So for, for two seconds, we have to talk about the French, di- French Dispatch. Okay. Which was the most Wes Anderson movie that's ever <laughs> Wes Anderson. Yep. Yeah. It was a straight up. Like we went to go see it in theaters and we came out and we're like, well, that was a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah. And I love all the Wes Anderson movies, but that was the most. It wasn't his best movie. It wasn't nope. his worst movie. It didn't have anything I didn't like in it. Yep. Um, it didn't have anything that really stood out to me as like peak Wes Anderson. It was just great. Peak Wes Anderson was definitely on the screen for me. Oh, for sure. But like that was just because he they just gave him a budget and said, just go ham. Yeah, he honed his craft for yeah. sure. Like he wasn't any less. And, and if you're unfamiliar with Wes Anderson's work, I mean, there's a ton of great movies that you should definitely watch. But one of the things you have to understand about Wes Anderson is that he always frames his movies as if they are plays. Mm-hmm. That's that's how he Correct. does even when they're stage even production, when they're stop motion, claymation. Yeah, stage production, color, everything. Everything is meant to be like you are sitting at the theater, not the movie theater, the the, the old people's theater, mm-hmm. and watching it that way. And yep. that's what I love about it. They literally usually open with a curtain parting. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah, it's wonderful. Definitely see that movie. Um, let's see. Uh, I mean, we have to, because in my opinion, it's the best movie of the year. We have to talk about Dune. Okay. Well, let's, let's do that. Uh, I, I have one more that I do want to talk about, but mm-hmm. Dune definitely we have to talk about. Yeah. So and, I think, and, I, think I, I know which one you want to talk about, and I'm glad that it's coming after this. I one. think that I, not to insult you, my lovely co-host, that's fair, and maybe the best person to talk about Dune. Okay. Because I, agree. No, I have tried to read this book several times as a nerd growing up as a nerd. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't do it. You just bounce off. Right. I bounce off of it. I've read a lot of Tolkien's work, but I can't read The Cimmerillion. Yeah. Um, there, that's my barrier. I've tried to read The Cimmerillion like 10 times. And I feel like a bad nerd <laughs> because I haven't. I get to in the beginning and I just conk out after that. Mm-hmm. And for Dune, I've tried to read it several times. And I've never felt like it spoke to me on a level where I felt interested. And so here we are going into this movie and a lot of the people that we were surrounded by yeah. knew Dune, had read all the books, knew yeah. all the lore, knew all the things. I was essentially the newbie coming into this. Mm-hmm. And I've watched the movie, the 80s the old, movies, yeah, the yeah. old movie. And even that, I was just like, no. It's dense as fuck. It's dense as fuck. And so I was worried going into it because our normal movie troupe, mm-hmm. everybody was so Dune experienced. Oh, yeah. And I was worried I was going to get to the same part that I always do in the book where a dude puts a hand in a box and then I just tune out after that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. Yeah. That was the biggest takeaway from this movie was Dune suddenly out of nowhere 
the unfilmable book yeah. became accessible to me. And that's the biggest praise that I can give it. Mm-hmm. Aside from I want to see the second part. But, yeah. but I think it's a bigger praise that something that has been so inaccessible to me for so long, I finally got I finally was interested in that. I had questions after the movie that I wanted to like ask my nerd friends to be like, tell me about these things. Mm -hmm. And it was great to be on the other side of that and really just have you guys throw info dump at me. And I finally got to just enjoy this thing that a lot of my nerd friends have been so into for so long. So I want to talk about doing the movie rather than doing the book and the concept. And I'm so glad that you were that that would do and is finally been presented to you in a way that 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 you are happily absorbing. Uh, real quick, before you continue, mm-hmm. there's a great comment from chat here saying, Dune is the Brussels sprouts of literature. <laughs> you love it or you hate it until somebody makes it with bacon. Yep, straight up. And this, you know what? That is a that, that is a wonderful thing to say because this was absolutely Dune with bacon. Yeah. Because someone gave uh, Dennis Villeneuve is the bacon, pretty much. <laughs> right. But but also all the money they gave him is further bacon. It is bacon. It's like it's the bacon that you like 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 leave in maple syrup for a week and then like <laughs> yeah do something with like it's the candied bacon of bacon. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so much of that all over this movie. The I mean, the visuals are insane. All of the CG is used in very metered breasts. A, a lot of the practical effects feel so cool. Um, there was so much that they needed to get right and so much that they needed to not do that was cheesy mm-hmm. like the other movies did. And they ignored every other instance where this has been put to screen, including the movies by David Lynch, including the TV show by the Sci-Fi Channel. Mm-hmm. They just 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 forgot any of that exists and did their own thing. And my God, did it come out well. Yeah. They just, they, they didn't rely on anyone having any understanding of what anything was and they explained everything. But it goes so much deeper than that. The soundtrack, they literally invented instruments for the soundtrack because mm-hmm. they needed the soundtrack to sound like it was from 10,000 years of human history. Right. Not even earth history, just human history. Yeah. And they needed it to be layered and complex and tonal and, you know, vocal. And all of the instruments basically represented either wood or wind. Or Oh, man. Such a wonderful movie. I... I, it was artistic to the point of being hyper nerdy in a medium where that is called for. And, and yet still so accessible, though. So accessible. Yeah. I don't know anyone who went and saw that movie who didn't like it, but all of the Dune fans I know who went and saw it just creamed themselves. And this, it, it, to me, one of the best made films of the year. Absolutely. So I know what I want to end on. Is there anything else you want to cover? No, that's my last one. All right. So I want to talk about Ghostbusters Afterlife. And we should, goddammit. This fucking movie. (laughs) How fucking dare you this fucking movie? A movie that I was already excited for Mm -hmm. going into it. A movie that obviously people who have listened to our show know I am a giant Ghostbusters fan. Mm -hmm. It is one of my favorite things in the world. I have no logic. Like I had somebody ask me the other day, Mm -hmm. a coworker of mine, why do you love Ghostbusters so much? 
Because it's fucking awesome. And I said, I don't know. It's, it's my childhood. It's mm-hmm. the fact that growing up, I wanted to be a paranormal investigator. The fact that, you know, all the characters are so vibrant and wonderful. The fact that the scripts, the fact that I can defend the second one, even though it's over the top and corny, but I used to listen to the cassette tape of the soundtrack all the yeah. time. There's uh, the fact that I used to watch the real Ghostbusters show and eat Ghostbusters cereal. You know, it is complete capitalism, but I don't fucking care. No, man, they're um, Ninja Turtles. And then, and then she asked me, "Who's your favorite Ghostbuster?" And I said, "That's like asking me to it's like ask me to pick my favorite child." I said, "Growing up, you know, my favorite was uh, you know Peter Venkman, but as I've gotten older, I realize he's problematic." And then I look at Ray, and I go, "I love his childhood wonder." And then there's Egon, and I go, "You know, he's the scientist who believes in the supernatural, and I adore that he balances both worlds." And there's that part that's Winston that's just, you know, if there's a paycheck in it, I'm here for it. Yeah, and. There was a part of me that was skeptical going into Ghostbusters Afterlife. Don't get me wrong. Um, the concept of doing a Ghostbusters movie without Harold Ramis um, hurt my heart. But I also knew, because we did know in advance the other Ghostbusters were going to appear at some point. And I know specifically um, Bill Murray said that he would never do another Ghostbusters movie unless he felt the script was right. Mm-hmm. And this was that movie. Yeah, I agree. No, this, I just, this was definitely that movie. Um, it's easy for me to, I've said it before, this movie made me cry. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, God, yeah. Um, th- I very rarely cry at movies. And that shocked some of the people that I was surrounded by because <laughs> they had never seen me cry at movies. And they're like, holy shit, James is like actually like fucking seriously crying at this. Um, it was such a beautiful tribute to Harold Ramis. It was a tribute to the film franchise. Um, there's a, a moment that I want to talk about, um, and it's going to be a little spoilery, so mm-hmm. I just want to advance with this. And I could be incorrect in the thing that I'm about to say, but there is a moment where the Ghostbusters, the three surviving Ghostbusters um, essentially get to speak to the ghost of Egon. Mm-hmm. And there was a point it was maybe two thirds of the way through it where I don't think the things the actors were saying were to Egon in air quotes. Mm -hmm. Um, There's something that Winston said where he goes, Mm. I really wish I had called you back when you called or something. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, uh, I remember. Yeah. He says, I'm sorry. I didn't call. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that did not strike me as a ghostbusters line. Yeah. That I went, I think, and I could be mistaken here, but I felt like the director's direction was there are no lines for this part. Mm-hmm. Look to the right and say what you would want to say to him right now. Yeah. No, That's what it I, felt like. Absolutely. Um, right after Harold, Harold Ramis passed, a good friend of mine, Ross, um, had me watch the movie Stripes. Um, <laughs> that is a... Harold Ramis, Bill Murray. It's a wonderful movie. It's uh, think uh, Good Morning Vietnam if you're looking for like a like like, but yeah. it's like 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 not like, but still like if that's what you're the, the type of movie you're looking for, put on stripes. Yeah. Um, but you can tell watching that movie that these two were the best of friends. Yeah. And you know just lived their own lives and did what they did as most rich people who are young do, but. 
you could tell that they wanted to spend more time together, even though they spent as much time as they could together. And it, uh, there's something really beautiful about that. And one of the things, and this is spoiler, not spoiler, the ending when it happens happens fairly abruptly. And I'm not going to tell you about what happens, but when the ending starts to happen, the first thing that comes up on screen was this shot of the city and it just says for Harold. Mm-hmm. And there are two after credit scenes we will not talk about, yep. which you should definitely see. Watch this movie. Fucking watch this movie if you haven't. But I don't know. Like I'm looking right now down the list of movies for the year, and like I get it. Like Dune is is great. Yeah. But if I had to pick one, yeah, this might be my one. And this, I, I wouldn't blame you. I'm gonna go back to it. I'm gonna cry, and I'm gonna love it. I'm gonna ask my friends to come over and hold me like while I watch it, because mm-hmm. Ghostbusters is such a fucking big part of my life. Um, I never changed like my icon on like Twitter or like, Facebook or anything, but like after I saw that movie, I've got a picture of me in front of the firehouse that I like, yeah. I just had to put up because I just, I fucking love this this much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that we haven't spoiled it. There's a, so much more to love and so much more to not spoil. Yeah, yeah, so. so much of this movie we haven't even remotely talked yeah. about. All right. I think we can move on to TV then. Yeah, we can move on to TV. TV's a short list. TV is a short list, but there was, a, you know, it's all it's all meat. It's, it's it's all chewable. It's all filler. There's one that I want you to talk about to start off with, I'm in. to lighten the mood. Okay. Because we have kind of dialed off watching the CW shows. Do we have? Absolutely. We we really don't watch them the way that we used to. I, I stopped watching them about a year and a half ago. Yeah. I I, I watched them, them if I need something mindless to put on in the background. Mm-hmm. But there was one that happened this year mm-hmm. that actually turned you around a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So this year, um, and this is still me not watching any of the CW shows, um, The Flash, uh, you know, uh, Batwoman. I guess, yeah, we should uh, specify. We're talking about the DC the, the shows. shows on, the the DC, DC shows on the CW. So we're talking The Flash, we're talking Batwoman, we're talking um, The Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah. We're talking, um, I'm missing one. I think Legends uh, of Tomorrow is still worth watching, by the way, but that's it because it's own thing. But anyway, so there's a whole slew of DC shows on the CW that I just completely stopped watching. Yep. Mostly because I just couldn't handle it anymore. They were just, I, I found them too poorly written. I know Supergirl ended. I watched most of Supergirl, but it, again. But what's the one that hooked you this year? But this year, be, from a onslaught of recommendation, or else I never would have done this. I started watching Superman and Lois. I'm not really a Superman fan. There's like one run of Superman that I like. All-Star. That's the only Superman comic I've ever read and like really, really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, uh, The rest of them, I usually fall off in an issue or two. All-Star, I loved. Um, There's very few Superman properties I really enjoy. Even the old like Richard Donner, um, uh, what's his name, the actor, Keith. Not oh, uh, not Matt Reeves. Uh, no, yes, Christopher Reeves. Yeah, Christopher Reeves. Yeah, the, the old, uh, you know, Donner, Christopher Reeves, Superman, and then we come all the way modern. Uh, Dean Cain, like all of those. Like I don't, I, I don't super care for them. Right. I feel like Superman is always a character. You were not a super fan. Does not have a consistency or significance. Mm-hmm. Um, this show is about Superman. Marrying Lois Lane, getting fired from uh, the Daily Planet because of like downsizing and corporate takeovers and all of this modern shit right. that really matters, 
And then he goes back to Smallville to like visit his home after his mother passes away. And he decides to stay. Mm-hmm. And he decides to live in the small town, move his wife and their two children to this, which is a the, the, Superman has two children. Right. Um, one of them has powers. One of them super doesn't. Um, and it is just so, so interesting. Every story, every episode of this show is interesting. Every plot line they go to is interesting. It never feels contrived. It never feels poorly written. It never feels like they're falling on top of cliches to just pan out the length of the A lot of uh, CW DC shows are Monster of the Week. Do you feel like this is? No, not at all. No, this show literally flows from episode to episode without ever really introducing like multiple villains. Most of the villains in this show are every character's own demons, including Clark Kent. It's not about like a random dude in a suit showing up with a different colored powers to like wreck Smallville. That's not what the show is. Mm. And I love that about it. And Mm. if I could recommend anything to you superhero wise on television this year, it's probably Superman and Lois on HBO Max. Um, Yeah, watch that show because I really hope they make more of it and not the CW shows. Okay. So we had a lot of superhero shows this year. We did have a lot of superhero shows this year. We had Loki. We had Loki. We can can briefly touch on Loki. Oh, God. Loki was great. Um, Loki felt like a really nerdy character study. Yeah. But almost like it was done by the person we were studying. And that's what (laughs) I love so much about Loki is that the entire show was about Loki. They made the Marvel crawling credits green. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's Loki, they made his chief antagonist Loki because the show is about Loki. They made his love interest. They made his love interest and chief antagonist <laughs> Loki. The, the, Loki. It's all Loki. Everyone all is the Loki. way down. Loki. All the problems are Loki. <laughs> Everyone who's not Loki is trying to wrangle fucking Loki because that's what a Loki story is about. Yep. And they did it so well. I yeah, this was a great show. It is definitely worth a watch. It is dense as far as like if you have any family members that just love the lasers and the shooting and not so much the metaverse and the and the plot points this one might confuse them right. other than that i would say this is peak marvel for me right now as far as like how intellectual it's getting yeah i get that uh we also had what if what if yeah oh right? man a series that we got a series of uh stories mm-hmm. And then they all culminated at the end with all the stories tying together. Yeah. So we got what if, which is, you know, let's take a what if uh, T'Challa didn't grow up as the Black Panther and instead got kidnapped by Yondu the way that Peter Quill did and, you know, taken into space and became Star-Lord. What if Thor never grew up? Right. You know, what if... um, Peggy Carter. Captain Carter. What if Peggy Carter was the super soldier and not Steve Rogers. Yep. Like so many really, really cool stories that are all seem like one-offs and tangents that all come together towards the end. Uh, For me, a favorite, which I didn't think would be anything when I saw the title is like, what if Killmonger met Tony Stark? Like, that doesn't seem like anything. And then when you really get into it, that's one of the most interesting and realistic stories they tell. And definitely made you have to, like, think about 
the Marvel universe, right? Because mm-hmm. like Marvel Zombies one, you didn't have to think about too much. The Killmonger one, you had to think about like 10 years of Marvel movies yep. to really process that story, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was absolutely insane. Yeah. So what if was amazing? But to kind of wrap up superheroes for a second, there mm-hmm. was one other thing that came out this year. Yeah. That has definitely changed a lot of people's perceptions on superheroes. Mm-hmm. And that was Invincible. Invincible. So Invincible did probably earlier this year what Eternals really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Which was to take an evil Superman concept and make it legitimately interesting and legitimately threatening. Right. Um, and not to... I, I want to touch on that real quick because mm-hmm. going into Invincible, obviously we knew that there was kind of an evil Superman concept. Mm-hmm. The year prior in 2020, we had gotten The Boys, which is an That's evil right. Superman, which is almost why I kind of felt when I got to the Eternals, I'm like, I'm kind of exhausted yeah, of the evil Superman bit. trope at this point. Yeah, like, I get where they're Superman going. Is, well, to be, to be completely honest... We have had some very interesting evil Superman. Right. And the one in the internals was not interesting. Right. He was just strong and bad. Yeah. He wasn't like, you know, he didn't have any mommy issues. He didn't really He was a cheap milk. whiskey. Yeah. He was strong and bad. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah. So when we got to the internals and there was like bad guy with Superman powers, it's like, oh no, not a... Again, oh wait, there's like 42 people to fight him and just murder him while right. he's being an asshole. When it comes to Invincible, Invincible is, imagine the story of a super team like uh, the Justice League. Where there's everyone and then there's Superman. And then one day Superman's like, you know what, nah. And then just murders everyone in the room. <laughs> just just horribly and easily the way you know Superman would if he just put his mind to it. Mm. And he is a kid with the same powers and yeah. he can't wait for more of him to come and conquer the earth. And that is the story of Invincible and I, I, I've only watch spoiled it. the first episode watch for it. you. So watch this show. It's incredible. The entire voice acting cast. Oh, the, is... oh God, J.K. Simmons. Forever, Just... J.K. Simmons. And like, <laughs> the entire yeah. cast is so the, good. The, the entire cast is phenomenal. That is very true. Is there anything on the TV watch list you absolutely want to talk about? Yeah, I have to talk about Arcane. Okay. And, I have to, and we have to talk about Squid Game. Okay. I think we should save Squid Game for last. Okay. Um, but I'm going to talk about Arcane for a second. All right, let's do it. Uh, just because it's the end of the year, and if you haven't watched Arcane yet, you were fucking up. And that includes you. I'm pointing my finger at I know, at I he know. not Arcane yet, and this is me pointing at him saying he's fucking up. Everyone needs to be watching Arcane. Watch Arcane so that they make more of it. This show deserves more episodes. They canceled so, Cowboy Bebop, y'all. So I, I will say this. As somebody who did previously play League of Legends, mm. this is a story about a League of Legends character. A couple of them. You yeah. never have to play the games to get this anime. 100% true. I had never played a League of Legends game, not even installed one before I If it didn't have League of Legends in the title, you'd have no idea that it was a League of Legends story. Correct. I've yes. heard the animation is top-notch, the music is amazing, that it will probably make you laugh, cry, and other things. Mm-hmm. Like, it's an absolutely fantastic piece of media, start to finish, whether or not the League of Legends title is on it. That is correct. And that is pretty much everything... That's most of what I wanted to say about this, to be honest, just because I don't want to spoil anything, even though there's not much to spoil because you don't know these characters. And neither did I when I started because I didn't play any League of Legends games. But yeah. um, 
I the the only thing that I can tell you about this show besides all of the amazing quality that went into it, the incredible voice acting, the animation that would give uh, you know Pixar a run for their money, and you know everyone else who does animation a a target to shoot for. Um, it is clear. It is crisp. It is elaborate. And uh, the, the writing is amazing. The voice acting is amazing. This show just breathes quality into your face while you're watching it. I cannot recommend it enough. It is probably my most recommended show of the year. Um, it's Arcane. And, and, and mostly because most people haven't watched it. And you really should, especially especially if you're in animation. Watch Arcane. The biggest um, thing that I can hype you uh, up by saying is that I'm in the middle of my third watch-through. When I'm done, I'm going to start a fourth. Wow. That is an absolutely fantastic recommendation. I was about to click on Arcane just last night. Mm. If it wasn't for the fact that part two of Masters of the Universe Revelation came out. Oh, okay. So earlier this year, Kevin Smith released a new Masters of the Universe story. And I was a big He-Man fan growing up. That oh, yeah. He-Man was my jam. I haven't, I haven't watched it. Yeah, He-Man was my jam. And so I have pictures of me growing up surrounded by He-Man toys. Um, I wanted to be Skeletor. Like, I, every, I was into everything He-Man growing up. And I was nervous. I knew that Kevin Smith had a love for He-Man. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I want to do an adult He-Man story. That's my Kevin Smith voice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was just like, all right, let's, get, let's see how this goes. And I watched the first half of it at the beginning of the year and went, holy fuck, Kevin Smith gets it. (laughs) Because everything in Masters of the Universe... So start to finish, just so you know, you can watch this as its own thing and it is a great story. But if you are a Masters of the Universe fan, there are so many Easter eggs and fucking shit that he put in that is just like, it blew my fucking mind. And I loved the first half of it. And last night I was like, all right, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to watch the second half of it and see how it goes. There's only five episodes of the second half. They're 30 minutes a piece. Okay. Easy to tear through. The entire thing is easy to tear through. The shit he puts in there, the jokes that he makes are so subtle. If you have to be a masters of the universe fan. Okay. Um, you, again, you can watch this without having any knowledge of He-Man and just enjoy it. But if you know, you know. Mm-hmm. And like, okay. he makes jokes about the toys inside of the, the thing. He makes jokes about like, you know, distribution of the toys. There's so like nuance to it. And again, I don't want to turn people off that have never watched He-Man before because I do want people to see this because it's fucking hilarious. Mark Hamill was a fantastic Skeletor. Oh. I love it. Like the voice acting is great throughout. But there's a lot of things that are in there that are just like, Hey, so uh, you were a kid who grew up and watched these toys, right? Like, here's a little, like, creature in the background that just runs around. Like, that's how nuanced the jokes are for that. Like, this little, like, land creature will run around in the background that came as an accessory to a character that was, like, a D-list He-Man character nobody fucking cared about. That's the level of care that Kevin Smith gave Masters of the Universe and also made it adult. Like, it has a very serious story, and it asks a lot of questions, um, one of the things that it asks is like, why do only a few people know who He-Man's identity is? And like, what would that do to people if they found out? He asks some very adult questions with this series that I think is really like 
cool. And I'm hoping that like maybe some people will watch this new series and go, you know, I kind of want to go back and see the old stuff because the old stuff isn't great. Okay. It's very much for kids. But like maybe it would like inspire them to say, like, I want to see where this came from because and when you go back to it, you'll see like there's a lot of humor and a lot of jokes that were made that are like subtext jokes. And you're like, oh man, it totally came from the fact this was like a children's cartoon or something okay. like that. No, that so. sounds awesome. But that I mean, brings us to the big thing we need to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. So we uh we gotta talk about uh uh capitalism. We gotta talk TV about show. capitalism for a minute, y'all. The TV show, the game, the, the literal the, the, game, the, the, the social construct. There um, we go. We're, we were supposed to have a happy episode until this shit happened. Yeah, it's okay. Video games are are, are coming up. That should be fun. Those aren't those aren't political at all, from yeah, what I hear. No, it, nothing bad happened in video games. Nothing bad happened in the end of twelve minutes. Um, uh, so, Squid Game. Squid Game is a wonderful show that uh, showed up on Netflix this year. Uh, it is a uh, Korean show yep. about a people who. Uh, volunteer to go on a game show. Think like the Price is Right. That that that's, but they sign a contract and they get in. And what they realize as soon as the first game is that these games are entirely deadly, and that you will likely die while playing them. But if you don't, you're one step closer to a life-altering amount of money, and not just for you, for for like generations. Yeah, it is a generational amount of wealth they're giving you. Now, to be fair, when you look at the actual amount of money, it's not infinite money. And it's not even like you'll be the richest person on earth money. Mm. It's just you'll be very comfortable money. But what they do is they put all of these people who are in a massive amount of debt into this game show saying like, hey, not only could you pay off your debts, but you could live a very comfortable life as long as you... Either help us kill or kill yourself. Everyone who's playing the game against you right now. Mm. And that's that's Squid Game. And it's... By playing childhood simple games. By playing very simple childhood games. Tug of War is one of the games. Um, uh, There's a variation on... uh, It's not exactly Foursquare, but it's more of a don't step on the crack. Um, Red light, green light. Universal. Red light, green light. Yeah, red light, green light. Very universal. Mm. Um, children's games are pretty universal, even across and, the, and this was a show that the creator of it tried to have created for like over a decade. That he went broke yeah, and, and like mm-hmm. writing the script for this and nobody would take his script because they thought it was dumb. Mm-hmm. Took him, yeah, you're exactly right. It took him 10 years to get this picked up by anybody. Yeah. And because Netflix will green light anything, they looked at this and went, Oh, this might be good. He was basically in the position that the main characters are in Squid Game when Mm -hmm. this whole thing happened. Like, there's a weird whole cycle of things going on here. Yeah, so so the worst part about Squid Game, and this is for me, and as you all know the plot, you can, as you all know the the, the main substance of the plot, you can guess what happens in the show, um, but you should definitely, definitely watch it. It's Battle Royale. It's absolutely wonderful. But and watch this show. But the hardest part about watching that show is thinking about how much money that is, and then thinking, would I try to get on that show? And if I did, would I try to win? Right. It's hard. It's really, really hard. You ask because a lot of questions of yourself at that you point. You ask right? so many questions of yourself. You ask questions about 
who else is in it? Where is your line? Do you have a line? Mm. When it's a certain amount of money, which lines go away? Uh, how are you still? Uh, yeah, it's, it's important to sh- to say, and this is a, a literal first episode thing, mm-hmm. that if enough people vote, they can walk away yes. from the game. That's right. Yes, it, it it is a perfect democracy in that if m- one more than half of the people vote to end the games, the games can be ended, and anyone can call for a vote at any time. Yep. And you can imagine how that goes when only one person wins the games and only one person gets the money. So, and that's, again, capitalism. <laughs> it was one of the hardest watches of the year. It's a rough one. Um, it is a rough Especially one. with everything kind of going on in our current economic climate with mm-hmm. people fighting for workers' rights, fighting yeah. for better business. We have our first um, Starbucks union. Yeah, um, hell yes. Yeah. Fuck yes. Yeah, I'm we so have excited Kellogg about that. a good fight right now. Yeah. Like, like, there's so much of that going on. And that's the thing is that Squid Game, when it was originally written, uh, like I said, it was written, uh, the initial concepts and scripts were written like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. There are um, uh, worker strikes and riots they talk about in that show, which technically are fictional, mm-hmm. but are actually referencing genuine uh, worker strikes and riots that happened yeah. you know, around that time. Mm-hmm. So it's all a one-to-one correlation kind of thing. And it's, one of those shows that I'm happy because it was a foreign show. So many people got into cause it had such a powerful message because I don't, I think it's a show that I would have loved if I saw it in my twenties, but I would have been like, I don't know if I could recommend that to my friends or family, but now we're at a time where the walls are starting to come down a little bit where people are becoming accepting things like parasite Mm -hmm. things like squid game where, you know, they see like, Hey, we're going to give out this award to this like foreign film. Like maybe you should watch it even though you got to read some words y'all. Yeah. Right. Like that's, that's a big deal for me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the biggest wins of squid game is not only just like having this really great story about how capitalism is bad, but also it got a lot of people watching a genre that maybe not would have watched that before. Agreed. Yeah. And if they like Squid Game, by the way, there's a bunch of amazing Korean soap operas I could re- recommend to you. So. I mean, yeah, there's like <laughs> at least a dozen Korean movies you could watch immediately. Yeah. All right. So let's get off the downer seat as we start to wrap things up. But not quickly. We need to talk about the video games the of video 20, games of 2021. 2021. Oh, yeah. That was, uh, there were a lot. There were. There were a lot. We don't got to talk about all of them. No, there were a lot of. What would you like to talk about, Hector? You Um, get first pick. If I get first pick. Oh, boy. I think my first pick, Mm -hmm. just because I'm not going to be able to pick like a favorite out of all of these games. Sure. My first pick, because it's the most recent on my mind and one of my favorites of the year is Inscription. Yeah, let's talk about Inscription, a game that I've been excited for for a very long time, Mm -hmm. but I've not played yet. So Inscription is a CCG, and when I mean a collectible card game, I'm talking about things like Magic the Gathering or Slay the Spire or Hearthstone. Mm -hmm. Now, this is is not what most of those games are. This is not an infinite game, because I can only play so many infinite running games at any given time. And you don't have to buy any cards. You don't don't have have to to buy anything except for the game. Right. This is a CCG meant to be played, understood, and finished. 
Right. Over the course of the length of the game. And when you're done with the story of the game, which is very heavily integrated into the CCG, you're done. Mm-hmm. You can play the game over, but you, you, you got it. Now, there are already mods for people who want this to be infinite. Mm-hmm. And then have just made the, you know, one of the sections of the game that has everything in it just like an infinite runner. Right. And that's fine. And that's great. And I, I more power to those people. So what is the base story of Inscription? If you had to sell it to somebody, what's the base story behind it? So this is my favorite part is the the, the, the way that Inscription goes is you happen upon is you, you happen upon a video game, you put it into the computer and suddenly you're playing the game. And now you're first person in the game, not the first person putting the game into the machine. Yeah. So now that you're in the game, you happen across a cabin in the woods where there is a person who has set up an elaborate gaming setup around you and wants you to play a game with him. He deals you cards and teaches you how to play the game. And then the one very specific card starts speaking to you directly. Not as the character playing the game, but as the person playing the game playing the game. Um, Speaking directly to your face asking you what you're doing here and asking you to help them, please God help them. Um, As you move through this first scenario, you're learning the card game and there is a position where you are designed to lose. When you lose, the person facilitating the card game takes a picture of you and you become one of the cards. And then the next person walks in to play the game to... It has cards dealt to them, and you're one of their cards. It, it it's just it, it it's so 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 interesting. Such a a departure of the CCG formula as far mm. as game mechanics go, and moves it into a realm of storytelling that I didn't think CCGs would ever be capable of. So I, I it's I, almost I, like discovering new games in video games. I, I dislike currently to use the word meta because of all the bullshit context yeah but this sounds like a very meta in the traditional sense video game yeah yeah there's definitely a lot of in jokes for ccg players right as the game moves on but there's also a lot of uh uh, this is from the creator of pony island if you played pony island you know exactly what i'm talking about which i've heard is dark as shit yes if you haven't there's a game called pony island that starts out very very cute and then kind of gets into the nature of what games are and what what we're really doing with them Mm -hmm. and inscription is no stranger to that inscription is a lot about who makes games what they put into them Mm -hmm. what those games can take from them and why um, the people that we lose to game development, the people that we um, ignore, be, you know, after game. It's just uh, yeah. there's a lot to be said. Um, it's a very inexpensive game. I don't think it's twenty dollars, but if it was fifty, it would be. And by the price. way, like this is a game that I honestly I've been following it since its itch.io uh, mm-hmm. version, which was called Sacrifices Must Be Made. Yes. Um, I I don't want to be that guy, like. If you really want to try it out, yes, get it while it's on sale. But I honestly encourage, if you can, just buy it at full price. Yeah, pay full price for this yeah, game. Like, I'm not kidding. Don't pay full price for Guardians of the Galaxy. Do play Guardians of the Galaxy. We'll talk about that here in a second. Yeah. But you don't need to pay full price for it. Pay full price for Inscription. Yeah. 
Just do absolutely. It. Um, I'm going to run through a couple ones real fast yeah, go here. For it. Um, so we've got Persona Five Strikers, which was a fantastic game that I absolutely loved. It was taking the the whole like action genre of games, uh, things like. Uh, uh, what is it? Dynasty Warriors. Yes. Yeah. Dynasty, Dyn- Warriors. Dynasty Warriors mm-hmm. doing it in a Persona environment. It's a quote unquote sequel to Persona Five, which I absolutely loved. Um, that was great. Um, we had things like uh, Kingdom Hearts came to PC, which is a oh, really big deal. It's a huge deal. Um, Kingdom fi- Hearts owns. Yeah. Final Fantasy fourteen came to PS Five, yeah. which, by the way, if you're playing Final Fantasy fourteen right now, you're probably not because you're probably waiting in queue with everybody else. Mm-hmm. If you didn't know, and this is not a week where we talk about the news, but Final Fantasy fourteen is so popular that people cannot log into it. That's so, how big this is. I want to. I want to talk them up a tiny bit more than that because what's going on right now is everyone who owns Final Fantasy fourteen right now is receiving from the developer fourteen days of free playtime mm-hmm. because of how bad the wait times are to get on the servers. In addition to this, and this is exceedingly rare in the industry, and as I don't think has ever happened for this reason. Final Fantasy XIV has pulled all of their retail sales. You can no longer buy the game because too many people are already playing it. Yep. Until they can fix the congestion on their servers, they will not allow you to buy that game digitally. Imagine, just for a second, Activision, Ubisoft, or EA doing this to any other game knowing they're selling too many copies and it's hurting the player experience, so they stop. Yep. I dare you to imagine that world because it's certainly not the world we live in. Yeah. But, like, this is... mm, This is one of the best things to happen in video games this year. And, unfortunately, it is simply respect for the consumer. And you know what, though? Yoshi P, who is the person behind the relaunch of final fantasy 14. He was the one that said, Hey, we're sorry. This is a current expansion and Walker or whatever it's called. We have to delay it by a couple more weeks because we have things to get done. And I don't want my people to work themselves to death. And the fan base went, yes, Yoshi P that's fine. And then they looked at it and said, all right, servers are congested. Sorry, we're going to cut off sales. And now everybody's going, yep, Yoshi P that's fine. Mm hmm. We have been, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more at the end, in the middle of a games industry that is suffering um, with a lot of bad stuff. Mm -hmm. And to hear that this arm of Square Enix is taking such care for not only their, um, their developers, but also the gamers, and really trying to make sure that everybody has a fantastic experience on their game. I... I'm not at a point where I want to go back to an MMO, mm-hmm. but God, it makes me want to play it just yeah. to, just to, just to say thank you for caring about your people, whether they be your employees or whether they be the players themselves, you actually give a shit enough to do something like this. Yeah. hundred percent agree. Like, uh, it's just, it's such a, wonderful gesture mm-hmm. that we just we don't get as customers yeah no matter how loyal we are and in the video game industry in this day and age i can't think of a more loyal customer than myself or you or yeah. 
any of the people who actively enjoy games every day who usually just don't get this kind of respect. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Final Fantasy fourteen. Yeah, cheers to you, man. Fucking hey. All right, tell me a game, game you want to talk about in 2020. All right, I want to talk about... Uh, you know what we should do? Just because we should do it, because we both played it. We should talk a little bit about 12 Minutes. Oh, I knew this was going to happen. All right, let's yeah. talk about 12 Minutes. All right, so... So first off, you should play 12 Minutes. You should play 12 Minutes. It'll take you about two and a half hours. Yep. But we, so it won't ta- it'll take you longer than 12 Minutes. But. Yep. We should talk about this. The, time the, loop game. It is a time loop game, and time loops are cool. Yep. That, I honestly, by the way, I am saying that they are currently the in-fashion thing. Oh, absolutely. There's a lot of time loops. We got Death there. Loop. We got 12 yeah. Minutes. There's a ton of time loop games that are coming out. Yeah, and it's very it's very COVID. Yeah. It's very 2020. That is true. It's very... Every day is the oh, same. Oh, shit. Did we all live inside of our houses for an entire year? Yep. That was wacky, wasn't it? Yeah. And Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I love time loop stuff in general, mm-hmm. and this is a good one, but but is it? I don't know. I don't know. There's... I love 12 Minutes. There's a thing about media where no matter how good it is, it can always be ruined by its ending. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's what happened here. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying you should experience the ending for yourself and decide for yourself because I did. And I had a really good time playing the game. Mm. But I thought I got to the ending and then you went, no, you and then didn't. I told you you didn't keep going. And then I found the ending and I went, oh, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. And that's, that's it almost made my experience like even more <laughs> fucked up. Because I got the quote unquote perfect day. And oh. I was like, that's the ending, right? Like I had the perfect, I day. the perfect day. I broke the game and like had the perfect day. And the game was like, no, but you didn't actually get the ending though, but, bro. But, but, but no, but no credits though. Yeah. We'll, we'll let you know when credits happen. Yeah. And then the ending happens and then you get the credits and you're like, mm-hmm. it's almost worse that I got the perfect day before I got that y'all. <laughs> 12 Minutes is an amazing game. Um, I think it's brilliant. Obviously, amazing. We had James oh. McAvoy. We had Daisy Ridley. We had Willem Dafoe as yeah, our main voice, voice actor. So great. Good game um, design, too. Great, great game design. It's a game that's very accessible, mm-hmm. right? You, don't, you play it. Anyone can play it it's with very, a tablet or a mouse yeah, It's or point whatever. and click. Not a big mm-hmm. deal. Um, it's a game that made me think. Mm-hmm. Um I think it was one of my, it was a game that I was looking forward to a lot and a game that will stick with me for a long time. But it's one of those ones that being film buffs, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes we watch a movie like The Green Knight and mm-hmm. we walk away from it and we go, man, I love that movie. I just, I don't know if I could recommend it to anybody. Yeah, absolutely. Right? I've been having this issue for the last uh, almost a week with James. Um, someone mentioned a movie from my past that I was like, oh shit. I should tell someone to watch that. I should tell, you know, my best friend to watch that. And then I'm like, no, I don't want to subject him to that. Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel about 12 minutes. I've been, we've been talking about Irreversible, if you're interested. Um, There's a really great uh, YouTube video by uh, uh, Spanica Movies. Um, If you want to know about the movie without watching it, um, uh, content warning for rape and sexual assault and all of that. But um, 
that's one of those movies that is like, wow, this th- this thing is important and interesting. And I feel like as a connoisseur of this medium, you would really enjoy this. At the yeah. same time, I don't want to put you through this. Right. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about 12 Minutes, especially because... So many of my video game friends experience video games for fun and for laser and for, you know, to forget about life's problems. And 12 Minutes is very much a, hey, life has problems type of game, especially when you dig your way all the way through to what's really going on. Yeah, it starts really cute and then you get to the end and you're just like, oh. Yeah. So, and that's kind of what I'm talking about as far as 12 Minutes goes. It's not a bad I'm so glad that it was made, though. Yes, and, and you know what? That's probably the best way you can think about it is I'm so glad that this exists. Mm. I don't know if I can ever do it again, and I don't oh, know no, if I, I could tell anyone I could. to do it. Yeah, I couldn't either, but God, I fucking loved it. Mm-hmm. All right, so pick a game on the list now that we're through 12 minutes that right. you want to gush about. All right, I want to gush about Guardians of the Galaxy. All right, tell me about it. Yeah, so Guardians of the Galaxy is, um, how do I put this? Uh, you know, after Marvel's Avengers, which came out this year as well, um, and came out to nearly universal meh, uh, was a, you know, a Marvel story with, uh, you know, multiple characters and lots of personalities. And they had quips and they had action and they had story and they had a great graphics, and you were just, you know, along for the ride. And nobody liked that game. Like, almost universally, nobody liked that game. Guardians of the Galaxy comes out with a, a little bit of a difference. It doesn't seem exactly the same. But it still has really nice graphics, an ensemble cast with... Uh, good voice actors and some action and some story. And they kind of expected us to all just sit down and be okay with it. And none of us were because Marvel came out earlier that year and just shat all over everything and just wanted us to walk around in the stink. So Guardians comes out and... I like that you're doing a two-for-one, by the way, of like Avengers came out this year, was bad, then Guardians. (laughs) Guardians comes out nearly the entire year later. I think it came out in November, maybe October. Either so, way. so that's the thing is that Marvel's Avengers came out in 2021. Yeah, like in January, in like, or February, January. Or something. Yeah. And then we had Guardians come out like in October. Oh God, 2021 February was sad, wasn't it? Yeah, it was we got bad. we got Marvel's Avengers this February. We're getting <laughs> Elden Ring and Horizon Forbidden West. <laughs> right, it's a good year. We <laughs> can look be forward. A good game year, y'all. Anyway, I'm super hyped for 2022. But yeah, so Marvel came out. It sucked. Guardians comes out like in like October or November. And most people are just sitting there like it's the family circus, just waiting to suck at the end of your Saturday morning cartoon newspaper. Um, But it doesn't. It's a better written and a better told Guardians of the Galaxy story than either James Gunn movie. I will say that happily and thoroughly because I believe it to be true. And I love those movies. The Guardian story that is told where it humanizes all of the characters, including Rocket and Groot, where it gives Gamora like a really 
robust and interesting personality where it makes you empathize and sympathize at the same time with Peter Quill. And Drax is still just, I mean, he's Drax. He's great. This, like, I'm just talking about the writing right now. And the writing was so genuinely fun and beautiful and interesting and quirky. There's a llama on the ship for some reason that actually does play into the story. There's the whole ship, which is its own character because you're constantly wandering around in it between missions and talking to all of your buddies. The weakest part of the game is the action, and I could play it forever. It's easy. It's it, it, The game was never challenging, and maybe there were times where I wish it was more challenging, but to be honest, I, I don't when, when I'm really... When I'm really honest with myself, I don't want the game to be any harder because the action parts aren't the fun parts. The fun parts is when all the characters are talking to each other. And that's not something I say about video games. How's the soundtrack? A lot. I mean, the soundtrack is a Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack. I don't even mean like a James Gunn soundtrack. It is a Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack at this Mm. point. It is fantastic. It is built into the game diegetically... And all of the music is so badass and referential of the time Peter Quill grew up in that there is a setting in the game where you can toggle the music to be stream friendly. Because if you played any of those songs on stream while you stream those games to your audience, your channel would be instantly demonetized and maybe deleted. You can't just play Wake Me Up Before You Mm Go-Go on your Twitch stream, y'all. Wow. But yeah, Guardians was phenomenal. I will spoil nothing of it. I would just tell you to experience it. If you love the Guardians of the Galaxy, this is one of the best stories ever told about this group of characters. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so like we mentioned briefly, um, obviously Final Fantasy fourteen and Walker, the new expansion, came out while, yeah. while neither of us played it. Obviously, it's had a very big impact on the oh, industry. Yeah. And I, I spent my time, I, I, not as much as you, yeah. but I spent my time with uh, FF14. Yeah. And I love that game, and I can definitely see why everyone wants to go back yeah, to it. Yeah, I, I miss my Dragoon. There's a new class called the Reaper that really almost got me to pick it up again. Ooh. And I was like, oh, this sounds like so much fun. Um, let's see, other fun stuff. Oh, it's so weird to think about. Like, this is one of those, like, oh, that came out in 2021. Guilty Gear Strive came out in 2021 yeah what the fuck that was this year that game is so good yeah guilty gear strive is probably the best fighting game that's ever been released yeah like ever that's easy for me to say and that's it it feels like it should be harder for me to say and it's a game that they balance every single week yeah they think about like what evil will evo will be like next year and like Mm -hmm. they balance for it all the time like it is a game that is meant for it is not an accessible game it is a game that is meant for fighting game enthusiasts yes um, but it is a game for fighting game enthusiasts in that not only is the combat super deep and, you know, like deep as an ocean, wide as a lake, like just, you know, a difficult to master, relatively easy to get into. But it's also a game built around people who play fighting games. Yeah. It's also the game, a, the fighting game with the best never net code ever devised mm-hmm. so that people can play well online with each other. That is true. I mean, this is a game built for fans, and it's weird to say that in 2021. It's not. It, it, it doesn't feel like it was built for money. It was built like it was meant to be such 
an amazing level of quality that the fans would just show up on their own. They did the beta for it, which is one of the, it was a huge deal for the beta. Like that beta, like it was hard to get into. Yeah. No, it was not like a game. We give you game codes and accessible, like that many people were trying to get into a mm-hmm. free beta. Just destroying you the can't servers. get in. Yep. And they took all of that input and they said, yeah, we agree with all of you. Here's what the, the voices said. And we're going to adjust our game this way. By the way, we're also going to push our game back a few months mm-hmm. because we want our developers to have the time and breathing room to do what needs to be done. Sorry. That's the a theme of 2021 that I want to carry over to 2022 yes. is like developers saying we're going to delay gonna take, your games, delay everyone, your fucking games. Please, everyone delay your games. We don't get 2020. Like we, we had cyberpunk in 2020 and that was a problem. Everyone learn from that. Everyone delay your games. Yeah. If you're making a good game, if you think for a second that you are making a good game right now, delay it until it's done. Yeah, that's a, that would be my. Don't do crunch. Yeah, don't do crunch. That's my my crowning mantra of twenty twenty one. If you think if you are working on a video game and you are proud of what you do and you think you're making a good one, advocate for it to be delayed. Yeah, advocate for it to come out finished. Yep, absolutely. Because all the best games this year did. So, is there anything else on the games list you really want to talk about? Oh, probably. There's a lot of fun stuff. Uh, so, I'm gonna, I'm, stuff I'll, I'll briefly touch on a couple things. Mm-hmm. The fact that the Castlevania Advance Collection came out. Yeah. Super excited about that. Like, mm-hmm. that's a game series we never thought we'd get ported. And the Switch was just like, yeah, here you go. Here's all the GBA games, like, on a Castlevania collection. That was awesome. I don't have it on the list right now. Uh, but Act Razor, the remake, came out this year. That's right. A game. Really into that. Yeah, I'm super, like, into it. I haven't had a chance to play it yet because my back catalog is so big, y'all. I got to finish Alan Week and then I go to got to go to Miles Morales before Christmas is over because mm-hmm. it's a fucking Christmas game. Yeah, like two weeks, man. Yeah, like I got to fucking do this. You need to finish Alan Week. And so, uh, you know, there's a lot of really great small things like that that happened. Obviously, we had um, the uh, Death Stranding director's cut that yeah. came out. Mm-hmm. People have been getting into Death Stranding. Which I have bought but not played. And like that, that is the thing that warmed my heart this year because while I loved Death Stranding when it first came out and I defended Death Stranding when it came out, I never attacked people who disliked it because I realized it's such a different game. But now those people are starting to get into Death Stranding and I'm like... I don't want to be exclusive here. Like, please, like you finally get to yeah. see the game that I love so much. Like, please <laughs> gush at me about the game that you love because yeah. I've been loving it for like a year and I want you to, I want to relive my initial experiences with the, my, with that mm-hmm. game through you. Yeah. I definitely spent some time with Death Stranding this year and man, it was the most zen in early 2021, where you thought your last year was a pandemic and this year would be fine. And then it wasn't. It was just more pandemic. Yeah. And it will be next year, too, y'all. Um, it was just uh, the, the the delivery, the the traversal. It was just so chill. The connections that you make with other people. Yeah. And worrying about them when you don't hear from them for a while. Yeah. And I imagine this is what a lot of people think about Animal Crossing. And don't get me wrong. I have nothing against anyone who loves Animal Crossing. It's just not for me. True. This was my Animal Crossing. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, it just, uh, uh, yeah, Death Stranding, wonderful, wonderful game. Um, um, when we talk about director's cuts, obviously Ghost of Tsushima came out with the director's cut this year. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Ghost of Tsushima was a game that I played all the way through start to finish on PS4. 
Uh, played all the way through start to finish on PS5 as soon as it got its uh, 60 FPS patch. And then played all the way through start to finish again when the DLC came out. <laughs> and all that was uh, free, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, well, the, the DLC DLC, the like new island and like whole new adventure, okay, that I was believe that, that cost money. Right. But uh, all of the upgrades for the next gen stuff I thought the multiplayer was free. free as well. And the multiplayer was always free. There, yeah. You can't even pay for anything in the multiplayer. Mm. You can't buy skins. You can't buy anything. All you can do is get better and keep playing, uh, which, you know, was wonderful because it's that kind of game. And they kept adding to it. They kept adding to this free mode. There was more multiplayer released with the director's edition, mm. uh, with the director's cut, which is very good. Um, and the uh, uh, the DLC uh, story that was added, the expansion was phenomenal as well. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima is a game that is going to... Influence a lot of game design for a long time coming. Okay. We have a thing in AAA game development right now where it kind of feels like if you're not making an open world game, then you're you're doing it wrong or you need to bring something else incredible uh, to the table. No. Yeah. And so for all the open world games that did come out this year, I'm thinking like Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Far Cry 6 mm -hmm. and all, all, uh, all of that. Don't support Far Cry 6, by the way. Yeah, uh, uh, or Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Yeah. Um, all, all I can think of for all of that, to be frank, bullshit. And these games that were not enjoyed at all, is they're going to start cribbing from games like Ghost of Tsushima until they're popular again. Until they realize... They should probably really stop making open world games because it's not the formula for them to right. make billions of dollars anymore. Yeah, which hopefully is soon, and hopefully they both failed hard enough that that, that they won't do this again. Because Assassin's Creed Valhalla was a travesty, and Far Cry Six was Far Cry Five, which was Far Cry Four, which was Far Cry Three. It is Those run games, by a studio that has yeah. allegations of sexual abuse and misconduct in not their too. fucking industry. So maybe. Don't support Ubisoft. Yeah, yeah. Not to diminish. Now that we're that. good night and good game, we can be a political podcast. We are political about this shit 100% because fuck you guys. Do not abuse your employees. Uh, do not hide the abuse done to your employees by your other coworkers. Do not hide the abuse done to your employees by your bosses. Come forward and... Be brave. And to the victims, we support you. And I know that it's hard to come forward. So mm, we will get to that here in a minute. I do want to touch on that. Let's we go will. through a couple more games. And then yeah, we'll... yeah. There's definitely a few more that I have to mention. I have to talk about Death's Door for a second. Um, Death's Door got a lot of Game of the Year nods. Um, it was wonderful. It, it felt like this year's. You Metroid play a crow Vida. who's a reaper. You play a crow who is a grim reaper who literally like goes and fetches souls from people whose souls need to be brought back. It's super to cute and super noir also super cute. Incredibly noir. The game looks black and white, even when it's not black and white, but like it's, they have a whole like noir detective thing. Going oh on yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. Because you are sent off on your journey to reap a soul. As soon as you start doing that, someone takes the soul from you and does something with it. And it's your job to get that soul back. So you're like not done with your first like rookie assignment yet, but the guy who took your soul and where he put it is not something you can handle. Mm -hmm. It's not something you're available with your skills to recover. Right. So you're super fucked and you have a whole journey in front of you about just like trying to do this soul thing. Um, 
the soundtrack uh, is god tier. The soundtrack was so good that once I was sure I was done with the game, I wandered back through all of the areas I'd been through, the zones of the game, again, just to listen to the soundtrack. Uh, the soundtrack, like, it, it, it's on my Spotify. It's in my life. Like, I, I listen to it buying groceries. I, it, it, it's wonderful. It's interesting. It changes with, like, every change you do in the world. It's it's just, it's so good. Sounds a lot like uh, uh, the Hades developer. Yeah. they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, Supergiant, it definitely yeah. has, like, a little bit of that D- DNA in it. I wouldn't call it anything like a Supergiant yeah, soundtrack sure, because sure. Supergiant It's games, a very... Darren Korb soundtrack. Darren Korb and... Um, uh, it's not... Uh, uh, Barrett, Amy, Amy Barrett, the 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 the, the female vocalist. Yeah, but yeah, Darren Corbin, the the the, the vocalist who is incredible. Um, this play transistor. <laughs> yeah, play transistor and play Hades and cry <laughs> and and cry at, at all of these games. But um, this was more of an instrumental type soundtrack. Think um, think Zelda. Okay, than that. got it. But still, just absolutely wonderful and heartfelt. Um. The only bad thing I would have to say about Death's Door is that I it was never challenged. I, I don't okay. think I ever lost a fight. Sure. Which is fine. I don't really think that was the point. Yeah. Um, they do... Continue I, I'm in it for the narrative, so... Yeah. They do continue to make combat more interesting, but it's not it's not a hard game, and um, you're mostly there looking to solve puzzles and for the narrative. Yeah. The combat is a little bit secondary. Um Another really big one this year for me was, uh, let's see, I was just looking at it. I was going to say BPM. BPM. Let's talk about what BPM is. Oh boy. BPM is a first person shooter roguelike. Um, if you know Ziggurat, even if you don't, it's uh, imagine um, starting off in a first person shooter in a dungeon and then there are rooms where you fight things and there are rooms where you pick up collectibles. There are rooms where you get keys to lock doors. There are rooms where you get maps to lower levels. And there's boss rooms where you kill the boss and you progress to a lower level. So it's standard roguelike, standard FPS. Except it's a rhythm game. Uh, it is a game where when you jump, if you don't jump to the beat, you don't jump. Where when you shoot your gun, if you don't shoot to the beat, your gun doesn't go off. Where when you dodge, if you don't dodge to the beat of the music that is constantly on your screen, you will not dodge. You will get shot in the face and you will die. It's so much fun. I, I can't I can't begin to explain to you how much fun this game is. Um, I love first-person shooters. Huge fan of Doom uh, 1 all the way through Eternal. Mm. Um, I love interesting shooters and this is one of the most interesting shooters i've ever played it's the type of game where i've beat it over and over and over again and i can just start up a run on a saturday morning with like a bloody mary in my hand and just play through the entire morning without even thinking about it it is just it is the 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 popcorn it is the caramel popcorn of video games. You just sit there and then you wonder why the tub's gone. It's the DDR happened. of first person shooters. It is the DDR of first person shooters. Yeah. They did announce another uh, first person uh, shooter rhythm game at the Game Awards that I'm pretty excited for. I don't remember the name of it, but if it's anything at all like BPM and it kind of looks like it is, mm-hmm. then I'm, I I can't be more excited. It, it's way too awesome. 
I guess one of the big ones that we do need to talk about, you know, before I get into this, there is a good honorable mention. Mm-hmm. Um, Boyfriend Dungeon came out this year. Yeah, Boyfriend and, and, and that was a game that I saw initially at PAX. And so the concept behind Boyfriend Dungeon is that you are a whatever gender you p- choose to be mm-hmm. person. Um, and you it's a turn-based RPG kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And you get to... Be have romantic relations with various people, right. and they turn into weapons Correct. in your dungeon. Yes. So yeah, and that, that's the idea. It is, um, and this is such a wonderful and fun concept. Yeah. It's that you know, in your average dungeon crawler, and if you would imagine something like, uh, um, you know, Moonlighter or. Uh, any game where you have to like run a business and crawl a dungeon mm. or just crawl a dungeon, um, like something like Hades, mm. um, where these weapons and in every one of these type of games, you do develop a relationship with your favorite weapons. Mm-hmm. Imagine if these weapons were hot dudes, we're just hot fucking dudes, hunky, what is it, hunky, hunky, hunky dudes, dudes <laughs> with uh, wonderful personalities who just want to support you and tell you how awesome you are, yeah, while you while they enable you to fight. You know, an adventure and be your best self. Yeah, this is it's an absolutely a wholesome great game, an interesting concept, yeah. and I love everything about it. Resident Evil Village. We're getting to the Ooh, end of the list boy. here, so but we do, haven't played. Our I Village. haven't played. I have not played Village yet. Oh boy! But Re Village is not only what is considered one of the best Resident Evil games of all time, but the game that launched. Probably minimum 100,000 fetishes. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, it, it's all... One, it is a fantastic follow-up to RE7. It's a little more arcadey, but in a really, really good way. I hear that it leans very heavily on Resident Evil 4. It does lean very heavily, especially in the combat on Resident Evil 4. It feels good to shoot your guns. You don't feel not empowered right um and some people will be like oh well that's not very scary well re hasn't always been just scary right um even there are lots of parts of seven that aren't just scary um and seven is probably the scariest game they've ever released i am so like there's there's a lot to be said about like the good and the bad of the game but yes it absolutely did not only be an incredible follow-up to resident evil 4 but also the best simulation of a large hot woman stepping on me <laughs> I will ever experience. And I want more. All I right. want so much more. They said they were cu- releasing DLC. Fucking uh, put it in my veins. Please. Put, put, put it in your chest as she steps on you. Oh, yeah. No, no. Uh, uh, crush my chest with it is probably what I should say <laughs> instead of put it in my veins. Are there any other games of 2021 that you want to talk about? One big one, yes. I want to talk about Psychonauts 2. Okay, let's uh, do it. Psychonauts 2 is my game of the year. Really? Psychonauts 2, on top of everything that I've played this year, that has been very, very good. So Psychonauts is a game where you go into the minds of other people and experience their PTSD. You experience their Correct. emotions. It's uh, inside out, if you're familiar with the Pixar yeah, movie. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. there's a Tim Schafer game. Uh, to like, If you know who that is, then you know what you're getting into. Um, and the first Psychonauts game came out well over a decade ago. Oh, God, and like two it, decades ago. Yeah. 
And it was about a young boy who realized he had psychic powers who snuck into a psychic summer camp. Mm-hmm. And there was a psychic summer camp for children who realized that they have psychic powers. And there are a ton of counselors and there's a big campgrounds. And you wander around the campgrounds learning more about your powers and about the people around you. And you learn about them by by happenstance either entering their minds or by permission from them entering their minds and their mind is a different level their mind is a landscape um entirely designed about around who they are as a person people love persona games for shit like this right but instead of it being an rpg where the themes come at you thematically Mm -hmm. instead all of the themes in these people's brains come at you diegetically. Um, they're all built into the sound and built into the feeling and built into the platforming of the world you're mm. in. Perfect example from part two is there is a smart, strong woman who um, you decide you need to break into her brain to change her mind about something. And once you get in there, you get to see everything that she's gone through. You get to see how many things she's come up with that has been stolen from her by her higher ups or by the people she was working for. And it'll happen across a platforming segment that is just x-rays on a blinding white board Mm -hmm. that are slowly being taken off by the people behind the board discussing them. Um, Like everything is intended to be both inspirational and uh thematic and every part of this entire game as you go through it um teaches you something about the person you are thinking about as you play the game i love that it is brilliant it feels effortless like it almost feels like an accident sometimes Mm -hmm. and it is just so so well made it's taken a, such a cool. So game. so it's been and about it so take, so about two decades was when first Psychonauts came out. Yes. The first rumblings of Psychonauts two started about a decade ago. Correct. They put out. Um, it was well, a Kickstarter, Kickstarter. Kickstarter was really big at the time. They didn't go with Kickstarter. They went with Indiegogo. The reason they went with Indiegogo was because anyone who backed the project received a portion of the earnings when the project went public. Right. Meaning that anyone who backed the game on Indiegogo, now that it's actually selling copies, is getting royalties. Yeah. Um, they may not be a lot, but they they exist. Yeah. And that's fucking cool. Um, but yeah, that was about a decade ago. Yeah. So this game has been just sitting there being developed for the longest time. They never tried to crunch it out the door. They never tried to make it anything it wasn't. They didn't really try to overly modernize it except for like graphics and a couple other things here and there. But the story literally takes place right where the last one ended off. Yeah. And it is just, I, I don't know what to say. What do you say about a movie or a TV show uh, that picks up right where the other one left off a decade later. It doesn't happen. It doesn't. And, and, and the only show I can think of where that happened was like uh, uh, the X Files. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know of anything else where they were able to pick up that much later and continue making the same show for the same audience, but and feel natural and and, and, and feel good. natural and good and not dated and shitty. And yeah, Psychonauts Two is that, and it it, it is an accomplishment. I I don't know how to talk about it except to say that it's probably the best game that came out this year. <laughs> okay, so I want to go ahead and start kind of wrapping there then. Mm-hmm. Um, 
off the top of your head, give me some things that you loved media wise in 2021. I know we talked about a lot of it. I want you to repeat yourself like mm. things you just loved in 2021 that you just gushed over. Okay. So I've got a few. Uh, <laughs> um, the first one is, um, going to be, and I'll, get... I'm going to say inscription, probably one of the big ones. Inscription. Yeah. I couldn't get enough of, and I will still never get enough of, I'll probably replay inscription again very, very soon. Um, there was a new Diablo Swing Orchestra album this year. That's media. Okay. Um, and it that, uh, if you find it on Spotify, watch it, uh, it, 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 listen to it, love it. Um, uh, they, uh, uh, thinking of other great media things, uh, someone started releasing really amazing 4k remasters of David Bowie music videos. Oh, wow. And Love they that. are gorgeous. They're all on YouTube. Find mm -hmm. them. Um, Jenny Lewis released a music video called one of the guys. This is my favorite music video of 2021. And it might not even have come out in 21, but that's mm -hmm. when I found it. Um, it basically stars Jenny Lewis and um, Kristen Stewart and Alison Brie and um, and uh, this sounds like a fantasy of yours. It yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, uh, she was Catwoman. Help me out. Which one? The most recent one. Oh, I can't. Uh, yes, I know who you're talking about, but I can't. You know who I'm it. talking about? Yeah. Um, uh, yes. Yeah. So this is a wonderful music video called Just One of the Guys, where they all sit around in white suits with the guitars, um, uh, singing the song with her, just playing instruments, mm. feeling very masculine. Okay. Um, just in general. Um, even though they're all like hair down, makeup gorgeous. Mm. Um, and... The th Guess it, what, guys? Not, Gender doesn't matter, y'all. It's not necessarily the music video itself, which I do love. Yeah. That is my highlight of media that I want to gush over. It's the comment section of oh, a YouTube no. video. The comment section of a YouTube video is usually a cesspool of horrifying bullshit. Sounds like it would be terrible, for this, yeah. Ter terrible opinions. This comment section... In this video, and please go find it, Jenny Lewis, just like one of the guys, is nothing but lesbians losing their fucking minds about how beautiful these women are in this video. Oh, it is that's the adorable. sweetest, most wonderful, most wholesome thing I I've love ever that. seen. And I love it so much that it might be my favorite uh, piece of media for 2020. Wow, I you love just, that. Like, it's a wonderful music video, and please watch it, but like... Ah, uh, that 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 comment section. We could that, use some wholesome right now, and yeah. that's that's amazing. And right along with like Ted Lasso season two, where mm -hmm. Ted gets a little more real, mm -hmm. and like all of the other really cool stuff we've seen this year. Like, uh, well, we haven't seen The Witcher yet; it comes out Friday. Yeah. But uh, we got Cowboy Bebop, which was good for a time, and mm -hmm. then it was canceled. Um, no, we've gotten a lot of good stuff. But as far as things that like really just like fuel my soul, yeah, it, it's probably that music video. I love that. I mean, there's a lot of great things. Uh, one of the artists that I listen to is this very uh, minor artist named Two Feet. Mm -hmm. um, he does a lot of like just kind of like instrumental stuff. A lot of his stuff is kind of 
maybe something you want to listen to and you want to get in the mood kind of music. Mm-hmm. And that was a lot of fun. I listened to a lot of like uh, synth wave, a lot of vapor wave. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of like really great YouTube content that I got into this year mm-hmm. where I watched a lot of iron pineapple. If you're into stole stuff, uh, I get, got into how to drink, which yeah, is just like one of the most hilarious things in years of stuff to get into. Um, it was a rough year for everybody and it went by really fast. And to everybody out there who's listening, we were there with y'all and God, we hope you y'all are okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that not as a, you know, I'm worried that you're not, it's more of a, we're all worried that we're not. And yeah. we're, we're trying to hang on right now. Yeah. Kind of a, like just, hi, how are you? I hope you're doing well to everyone. Yeah. And, and, and anyone who's listening and if you need to reach out, then reach out. Please if, do. if reach out to your friends and if you don't have a friend to talk to, reach out to us. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to be there for you because it doesn't look like this pandemic is going away anytime soon. Yeah. At this point, I mean, the civil war was only about four years. I feel like this might be longer. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's where we're at. Um, it's been a tough year and we can hope for a lot for 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to end on a negative note. No, I, no. I, I'm, there's I, a lot of great I, games coming out. I, I want to wrap up the show because it's about that time, but just give me a hope or two for, for 2022. Oh, man. Well, so just the, the end of 2021 is going to be great even. Like, uh, we're, we're going to see uh, the next Matrix movie next year. Oh, my God, yes. We're going to see, like, like can, you, can you think about that? Another thing that I've loved in 2021, by the way, has been the absolute onslaught of, like, Matrix content from 1999 mm-hmm. because people keep pretending the sequels don't exist. So there's been so much and so much good discourse and it's so good right now because there's so much trans discourse going on. There's so much discussion now about, oh, wait, the Matrix was about trans stuff. And it's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, looking back on it, maybe not at the time, but like there's a lot there. Um, Another favorite thing of mine, uh, just in 2021, uh, Movies with Mikey is, uh, Film Joy is his channel, is doing a thing where he has done a top five favorite things for the last like 10 years on YouTube, maybe, maybe less than that. But about 10 years. So anyway, he has his five favorite things from each of the years he's done one. And he's pitting them all against each other in a battle royale. Movies. Movies. Movies movies against movies. Movies. Sometimes there's TV shows that he throws in a wild card here and there, but it's mostly movies. Yeah. Um, Give that a watch because it is mind bending. The type, like how good media has been over the last couple of years when you think about these movies and Mm -hmm. these movies being pitted against each other. Um, 2022, Elden Ring. We're getting another Souls uh, game. Very, we're very We're playing together, soon. right? Yes, absolutely. We are we are co-oping the shit out of that game. Hmm. We have uh, another Horizon game. Horizon Zero Dawn was one of my favorite games of 2016, 2017. Yeah. I forget when exactly the year it came out. But I played it like twice, and I, I played it three times. And I love it. Um, and you should play it too. Uh, stars a strong female protagonist just being badass the entire without game. being sexualized. Never ever sexualized. It's, it's never even called into question mm-hmm. what her sexuality is. It's just yeah. it's just like on there. She shoots robot dinosaurs, she y'all. She shoots robot dinosaurs with a bow and arrow that can like explode into fire. And uh, when boys flirt with her, she's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, <laughs> right. like there's just not much to it. Like, like she doesn't give a fuck. Um, she's busy doing important shit. Um, we're getting another one of those next year. Uh, there, there's just 
a lot of good Marvel stuff's coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still have another Spider-Man movie to see this year. That's true. Um, yeah, no, let's definitely not end on a downer. There's a lot to look forward to. Mm-hmm. There's the end of a pandemic. Uh, we're obviously winding down from that. Fucking get vaccinated. Wood. Also get vaccinated. Get your fucking booster, by the way. I read something today that said the Moderna booster is incredibly effective against Omicron. So yeah. just, just get a booster. Yeah. Uh, if you're already vaccinated, if you're get, not already get all the vaccines you can, y'all. Yeah, if you're not already vaccinated, how are you listening to the show? Just get out <laughs> or go get vaccinated. For, for, by the way, for men's health out there, just so you know, like y'all can uh, get an HPV vaccine. Mm-hmm. I want to throw that out there. Yeah, like, absolutely. please go get that because we are the carriers. Like, motherfucker, go get vaccinated. Yeah, absolutely. If it, if it keeps you from passing like something untoward onto a female and you're sexually active, exactly. get vaccinated. Twenty twenty one was a year weird year. Like we had a lot of strangeness going on. Uh, games got delayed, which was good. We had a lot of uh, game developers coming out and speaking out against bad practices. This mm-hmm. is the the dark, the dark part. We have to spend yeah. like thirty seconds on. Mm-hmm. Um, we're hearing about the things with uh, Activision Blizzard. We're hearing the things with Riot Games. We're hearing the things with Ubisoft. Um, we need to make sure that we rally behind the employees that are standing behind their companies, mm-hmm. not the CEOs that are defending it, no, but the employees no. that want to make a better workplace because they love working in game development. Correct. Yeah. So to those working at Activision Blizzard, to those working at Riot, to those working at Ubisoft and every other company that we cannot even begin to fucking discuss here because there's way too many of them. Keep fighting the good fight. We want to support your products. We do not want to support your CEOs. We do not want to support your board of directors. Yes. If you if you produce a thing for a living, we're behind you. Uh, If you know the work of your hands and your mind go into a product that someone else evaluates for quality, we're behind you. Um, even the evaluators were behind you. Uh, the, the people whose job it is to coordinate your jobs uh, and the people above them and the people above them and the people above them, the people who don't produce things, let us know how they're fucking up and we're, we'll stand behind you. To the sexual harassers, to the abusers, to the people who take advantage of people based on race or color, color or sexuality. We will not tolerate that shit anymore, and we should Absolutely be voting not. with our wallets. Yes, and we're, we will not buy your games anymore. We will not, you know, I won't fucking, not that I watch your commercials, I'm not a big loss on that, but I won't watch your fucking ads anymore. Like, if they come on and I have the power to, I'm switching. Um, uh, and the, uh, people, honestly, guys, people are waking goes, up. Yeah, the same goes for any game in the coming year that embraces NFTs. The world's like, like, like we have environmental issues. NFTs further that. Stop with the NFT shit. Yeah, we have very little world to save. Yeah. Please fucking get on it. Yeah, no more blockchain shit either. Stop trying to squeeze extra money out of your video games. Make a good product for a fair price, and we will happily buy as many as you produce. But as long as you keep trying nickel and dime us, we're going to keep fighting back. You don't have to do this. Be like Devolver. Yeah, be like Devolver. Every studio, just be like Devolver. You know how many Devolver games I played this year that I loved? All of versus them. Versus like Ubisoft or Activision? Yeah. It's literally 0-0 and every Devolver game I played is, yeah. Cheers to the end of the new year. Here's 2022. Here's the 2022. And that's everything that we have for the show this week. If you want to chat about anything that we've talked about, you can find us on Twitter at GNGGCast or at patreon.com slash GNGGCast. 
be safe over the holidays, y'all. It's going to be rough. Some of your family members might have gotten vaccinated. I understand it's rough. It's, it's a tough discussion to have. But until next year, from all of us at Good Night and Good Game, GNGD Casts, for one last time this year, good night. And good game. <laughs>